watching online, um, turn with us to John 4. And it's John 4, and we're going to start with verse 1. So let's read this together. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but it was his disciples. Now, go to the verse 3. So, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. And verse 4 says this. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. I want you to look at that word had. Okay? Because back in the Bible days, Samaria was not a place that Jews went. Jews, matter of fact, it was like, I don't know if you, you hear kids do this. My kids will play, uh, would you rather the game, you know, would you rather, like, um, would you rather eat popcorn in a movie or cotton candy at a rodeo? You know, and you pick which one you'd rather do. Well, this was a bad, bad would you rather, okay? Jews would say, would you rather go to Samaria or have to cross the Jordan River? And you know what they would pick? The Jordan River. They would not go through Samaria. So for the Bible to say, now he had to go through Samaria, it means Jesus was on a God-given mission in Samaria. So he had to go to Samaria. So let's go to verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Now, uh, it was near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about noon. All right, I love to pick out little small details that you think are small details in the Bible, but it's actually something really big that Jesus, that the Word of God is trying to tell you, okay? And it said in verse 7, it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, when did she come to draw water? What time was it? It was noon, all right? I was out yesterday at a football game. And a little cheer, my, my little little Jude was out there standing in the, on the sidelines. He's not playing, but he's standing. He said, I am the captain of the sidelines, Mom. I can stand with the best of them. And you know what? It's okay for me that he's standing, all right? Because this mama don't want him to get out with all those big boys playing football. But did I say basketball or football? Football? Okay. So he's playing football. Lydia is the cutest little cheerleader that I've ever seen, um, as well as Camille, man. They're, they are rocking the cheerleading, okay? But we're right out there in the middle of the day at 12 o'clock. It's hot. The sun is at its highest, okay? I'm not smart like some of these mamas that bring the tents and set them up, man. They've got the cool shades and all of that. I'm out in the heat and in the sunlight. Me and mom were scorching yesterday in the, at 12 o'clock noon, weren't we? And so we're out there at 12 o'clock noon. All right, so here's the Samaritan woman. She has come to draw water at noon. And if you heard what Mike McRae said, there was a woman right there that was drawing water, and he said usually there are are hundreds of people out here drawing water in the evening and in the morning. But he said, we're out here in the middle of the day, and there's only one person right here drawing water. 
Well, this is kind of taking us back to what the Samaritan woman was doing. She was drawing water in the middle of the day at 12 o'clock noon. And it was not just an easy task. It was something that was hard for her to do because this water, this well was deep. And that meant her bucket had to go deep and she had to pull, pull, pull the bucket up. And so it was strenuous work in the middle of the day. So it kind of gives you a question of why would she be drawing water in the middle of the day when everyone else comes in the morning or in the evening when it's cool? Could it have been that it was because she might have been an outcast or she was a little self-conscious and she didn't want to meet up with anybody? All right. This is just illustration for me. And maybe some of you guys relate. But have you ever decided you were going to go into the Walmart store instead of do pickup? That's a dangerous choice for me. Okay. And I will say, all right, kids, let's get ready. And they're like, Mom, why do you got to get ready? We're just going to Walmart. And I'm like, because I promise you, we walk in that store, we're going to see somebody that we know, okay? And we can't be looking like this because, you know, our Harold B. Jude, man, he wakes up with the best bedhead ever. And it's like this, you know, and I'm like, we got to get, get dressed and we got to go to Walmart, And then you're like, I'm going to run into somebody, you know. So this is the Samaritan woman. She's like, I don't want to run into anybody I know. I don't want to see, I don't want anybody to see me because I've got some issues that I don't want anyone else to to ridicule or condemn me. I'm going to the well when I can go by myself. And so it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water at noon, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And then it kind of just in parenthetical says, just to let you know where his disciples were and to let us know that Jesus was alone. It says his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So let's go to verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, she was shocked. She said, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Not only was she a Samaritan, which was not a a good thing for a Jew to be talking to, but she was a woman. So Jesus had two strikes against him. And And she said, how can you ask me for a drink? Again, John tells us, parenthetical, he says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. But what this Samaritan woman doesn't know is that Jesus is not just any ordinary Jew. He had come because he had to go through Samaria. So Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is getting, Jesus is getting deep here. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then this is how the woman replies. She says, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She's thinking this living water has got to go. It's got to come from a deep source. And here's this man talking to me, and I don't see a jar. 
this is what they, they would gather the, the, the water with is when I was doing research on this, is they would have an earthen jar that they would gather it in or a goat skin bucket. And here's Jesus sitting with nothing to gather water with. And she's looking at him and says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. And John didn't say right there that Jesus said yes. But the answer to her question is yes. But here's what Jesus answered. Everyone who drinks this water right here in this well, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Keep going, Scott. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, he started getting into her business a little bit. He said, go call your husband and come back. In verse 17, she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Aha! Now we have found out why she's at the well at noon. Right? Jesus is saying to her, you have gone to the wells of relationship after relationship after relationship, and you are still thirsty. You have gone to the well of money for provision, and you still are not satisfied. You have gone to the well of material possessions, and your thirst is not quenched. You have gone to the wells of success, and you haven't found fulfillment. You ever been there? You ever been at that well? And so then in verse 19, she says, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. He just read her mail. He just told her her business. And then she says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Keep going, Scott. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And then in verse 25, the woman says this. I know that the Messiah... The Christ, he's coming. And when he comes, he is going to explain everything to us. And then Jesus 
in verse 26, makes a declaration that he does not normally make to just anyone else. Because a lot of times when someone says, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God, he says, shh, keep that to yourself. He doesn't speak it. But here we have right here to the Samaritan woman that he had to go see on his way to Galilee when he could have said, I'm going to just cross the Jordan River. I'm not going through Samaria. But he knew there was a woman in need at the well. And right here he makes the declaration to her. He says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He declares, I am the Messiah to the Samaritan woman. Scott, can we go back to John 4, 13 and 14? And I want to focus in, hone in on this verse right here. I'm going to give you a, a couple of points over this verse. But it, this, is, this is Jesus talking to her about the water. And he says to her, everyone who drinks the well water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water, the Messiah, the one that God has sent, the, 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 the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, he's going to give them the water. And it's going to become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So if you're taking notes, I want to give you a few points on this. I'm going to break down this scripture. And we're going to talk about that Jesus is a well of eternal life. And he gives us water. And so what he's offering to the Samaritan woman is life. And so here's what Jesus does. Here's some lessons from the water. I'm going to give you four, okay? Four lessons from the living water. Here's the first one. Four lessons from the water of life. Number one, the water of life makes our life fruitful. What Jesus was offering the woman at the well, let's read Revelations 22, 1 through 2. Here's, what, here's just a picture of what he was offering. Here's a picture of what we have to look forward to. Here's a picture of what Jesus is saying today. And he says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Does that sound fruitful? Man, it sounds fruitful to me. Let's read John 15, 16, and this is what Jesus says. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear what? Fruit, but not just any fruit, fruit that lasts. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Does that sound fruitful? Amen. All right, this is an awesome verse. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says this. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Is that you? That's you. Say amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Whose confidence is in him. 
They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. You ever had heat come like on the noonday, like the 12 o'clock heat come to your life? Here's what Jesus says, when I give you water and the heat comes, you do not need to be afraid. Mm, that's good. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Woo! The water of life makes our life fruitful. I'm thinking that the water of life also makes the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives, right? You got the water of life fl flowing in you, and Jesus, and you're drinking from the well that Jesus says you will never run thirsty. If it's growing inside of you, then the fruits of the Spirit are going to be growing big and juicy inside of you. I'm talking about love that's so big and juicy. I'm talking about peace. Mmm. That's so good. The water of life flowing inside of you, making those fruits of the Spirit grow. All right, here's number two. So the first one is the water of life makes our life fruitful. Number two is the water of life satisfies the deepest need, and it never runs out. Mm. John 7, 37 through 38. When I go like, mm, that means it's like, that's good preaching down to my bones, you know? And so I'm hoping that that's hitting you like, mm. John 7, 37 through 38 says this. On the last day and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. I don't know. Jesus stands and he says something in a loud voice. I'm going to listen. Here's what he's saying. He stood and he said this in a loud voice. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within him. Mm, that's good. The water of life satisfies the deepest need and it never runs out. Listen to what Isaiah 58, 11 says. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. That's like the very inmost being of you. The frame is your bones. It's going to strengthen your bones. And you know what the Word of God says about the Word of God? Is that it is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to penetrate to the dividing of the soul and spirit and bone and marrow. So it's going to strengthen you to your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So the water of life satisfies the deepest need, and it never runs out. Number three, the water of life, it has a call to everyone to come. It's a universal call to all who are alive. To, and it says, come. Here's what Revelations 22, 17 says this. And this is what our prayer is now. Lord, the Spirit and the bride say, 
come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Mm. So the water of life has a call to everyone to come and drink. It doesn't matter. Jew or Samaritan, black or white. It doesn't matter man or woman, child or old person. It does not matter. It's a call to everyone. Come and drink. Here's number four. The water of life, this is so good, it flows from the house of God. You wonder why the enemy has attacked the house of God. Because the water of life flows from it. Joel 3.18 says this, In that day, mm, I'm ready for that day, the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with what? Water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacias. And then here's what Ezekiel 47.1 says. It says, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. This is Ezekiel. He's prophesying, and he's just telling you what he's seeing. He says, the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. The water it's coming and flowing from the house of God. Now, we call this a house of God, and we call this a house of God, right? Okay? So the water is flowing from the house of God. So if you know all of these lessons from the water of life, then you can understand that the enemy does not want you to have the blessing of the water of life, right? Do you remember that there's an enemy of our soul? His name is Satan, and he's real. The Bible says he seeks to devour and he, his plan and his purpose for us is to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to be fruitful. He doesn't want you to have uh, your deepest heart cry satisfied. He doesn't want that for you. So here's, I want to give you an, a, a, just a look at what the enemy does. And it's kind of a cool story because in Genesis, it just kind of points this out really, really well. So we're going to go to Genesis 26, 12 through 15, and we're going to talk about Isaac and what he did and how he dug a well. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. 
the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. The blessing of the Lord was on Isaac. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Say, like, would we call the Philistines his enemy then? Would we? Okay. And so all the wells that his father's servants had dug, who's his father? Anybody remember? I'm going to do a little Sunday school Bible lesson here. Who's Isaac's father? Abraham. That's right. So all the wells that Abraham's servants had dug in the time in his time, so in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up filling them with earth. Do you see what the enemy's doing here? He's stopping up the wells and he's filling it with dirt. So here's kind of the picture that I got. The enemy, who is Satan, tries to stop up our wells. You ever been there? Okay, I have. He uses our emotions and our feelings. He uses our hurts, our hates, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our disappointments. He uses our fears, our doubts, our worries. Do you see how that stops up your will? All right, Scott. Can you show this, the, the next video? This was like blew my mind when I was studying this. I want you guys to see this. So I don't know if you could hear him because of, of the wind, but basically what happened is somebody stole the bolt out of the well, and it's going to break the mechanism of the well. They're, they're continuing to try to use it, but it's going to break, right? So some enemy has come around and stolen the bolt out of the well. Thank God for a Michael McRae who goes and checks up on the wells. And he goes and he makes sure that they're working. He makes sure that, that everything's functioning right. He makes sure that, that the well's moving like it needs to move. He makes sure that if the enemy has stolen something, he's going to replace it and he's going to make it new and he's going to make it work like it's supposed to work. Aren't you thankful for the Michael McRae's in your life that come and check up on you and say, hey, I think your well might be stopped up just a little bit. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage encourage you. Let me help you today. And so here's what Isaac does. Let's go back to Isaac because remember the enemy has stopped up his wells. Here's what Isaac does. Let's go to Genesis 26, 16 through 18. 
And it says this, Isaac, then Abimelech, who is, who is the leader there, Philistine leader, he says to Isaac, he says, because he sees the blessing of God on his life, right? He, this guy has stopped up Isaac's wells, and this is what he says to him. He says, move away from me because you have become too powerful. Lord, Jesus, would you make us people of God that have become too powerful? And the enemy says, move away from me. Mm. And so here's what Isaac does. Isaac moves away from there. And he encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. And here's what he does. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. So I'm going to give you three steps, okay? And then we're, we're about to close. Three steps for unstopping your will from the enemy. Number one, move away. Move away from the enemy. Why do we hang out in the land of the enemy? Can I rephrase that? Why do we, lay, why do we hang out in the dry, scorched land of the enemy? Why do we hang out there? His concerted effort and plan and purpose for our lives is to seek and devour you. If you are feeling like the enemy is seeking and devouring you, move away. The Bible says that the enemy's plan for our lives is to steal, kill, and destroy. But the water of life has come to give me life and that more abundantly. Step number one, move away from the enemy. Learning from Isaac. Here's number two, reopen the wells. Reopen the wells. Once we move away from the enemy, we reopen the wells. Dig out all the earth. Take out all the dead things. Get out all the dirt. Take out the things that are decaying and dying. And allow the Lord to fill us again. Lord, let your peace flow in me. Lord, let your joy flow in me. Lord, let your forgiveness flow in me. Lord, let your abundance flow in me. Lord, take out all the stuff and the junk and the things that I have sealed the wells up with and fill me up with the water of life. So move away from the enemy. Reopen the wells. And here's number three. Because, because Isaac said he gave them the same names his father gave them. And can I tell you who his father was? Father Abraham. 
had many sons, right? His father was Father Abraham, who lived under the covenant of God. So when his father named a will, it was blessings from the Lord. And here's what Isaac did. He said, Abraham was living in the promises and the covenant of God, and so am I. And so these new wills sound a little bit something like this. Victory! Freedom! Perfect peace! Provision! We need to name some wills after the promises of God in our lives. Amen? All right. Let's go back to our sweet little Samaritan woman. She's still at the well. Let's see what she does. John 4, 39 through 41 says this. Jesus, the water of life, has come to her. And she is forever changed. And so she goes back. Remember, an outcast feeling really condemned because of her past. But she has just met the giver of life. And she was forever changed. And so she goes back to her town, and, she, and it says here of her, it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said, give me some of that water. You know, the water that I'll never be thirsty again. Give me some of that. That's, that's what I want to be drinking. I want some of that water. And they, in verse 42, it says this. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really 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 is the savior of the world the well jesus gave the woman a drink of living water. And then you know what happened to that woman? She became a well. She became a well. And others said, I want what she's drinking. I want the overflow that is coming out of her. I want Jesus. And she became a well and gave others a drink. And so I think we can learn a lot. Probably the most important lesson we could ever learn from the Samaritan woman. And that is that just like Jesus had to go to Samaria, Jesus had to come to Greenville today. And give us a word. And he's saying, Life Changed Church, 
my people, there are some wells that I need to fill today. There are some wells that I need to clean today. There are some wells that need to declare that I am Messiah. And so I want, to cl- I want you to close your eyes. And here's a prayer that the psalmist David prayed. And I'm going to read it to you. It's in Psalm. And then with your eyes closed, as I read it to you, and when I get done reading it, if it is your prayer, like from the deepest part of you, like dig, dig deep in those wells that have been covered up or lies that you've believed or things that you've just said, you know what, the enemy has a stronghold in my life in this area. He has, he has covered up the well of the promise of God and I'm ready to be done. I'm going to read the psalmist's prayer, and if you wholeheartedly agree with it, with every ounce of your being, I want you to raise your hand when I'm done reading it. Psalm 63, 1, and this is what David says. He says, you, God, you, God, are my God. And earnestly, like with all my heart, And with everything in me, and wholeheartedly, earnestly, Lord, I seek you. And then he says, I thirst for you. Like the driest, hottest day, needing water. Like that, I thirst for you, Jesus. And my whole being, it just longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. If that's you today, and you just want to say, that's my prayer today, Lord. If that is you today, would you just agree and raise your hand and surrender to the Lord this morning? I see those hands already up before I even ask you to raise your hand. You were already sensing the call to come to the well and let Jesus dig out of you some of the things that you have covered up. So I'm going to give you three directions today. And when I and with everybody's eyes closed, nobody's looking around, but I just feel led to 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 close it like this. I'm gonna give three directions, and if this is relates to you, and you say I need Jesus to do this to me, I want you to just stand up where you're where you're sitting. You don't have to come up front unless you want to, but just stand. But if this morning Jesus is saying I need to feel you this morning. I just need to fill you. You have never been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You've never been filled with the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. I just need Jesus to fill me this morning. If that is you, I want you to stand up. 
then the second direction is, Jesus, I have covered some wells in my life. My peace, Lord, it's been, it's been capped off. I have screwed the lid tight, and it just is not flowing in my life. Lord, hurt and bitterness has just been overflowing in my will, and I don't want that to happen anymore. Lord, I want to be full of love and forgiveness. If you have covered up some wells in your life that God is wanting to bring, get all the dead stuff out, get all the earth out, get all the dirt out, get all of that out and just open up so that you can be overflowing with his eternal life this morning and just be a wellspring of life, not only for yourself, but for your family and for those around you. And the overflow just comes and it comes and it comes out and everyone experiences it. If that is you this morning, you say, Jesus, I just need you to come and open up some wells that I have closed this morning. If that is you, would you stand up? And then the third option is this. The third decision, the third declaration, whatever you want to call it, is I am here and I have experienced the faithfulness and goodness of God and I have want this morning to name my wells and I want to go back to the promises of God that I believe in and I trust in. I've just wavered a little bit and I've decided that I today, I just want to trust wholeheartedly in the promises of God and declare today that they are yes and amen. If that is you today, you don't mind just standing. Those are the three directions that the Holy Spirit has led me in. But if there is something else that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, just stand. I'm going to leave that between you and the Lord. People standing up all across the room saying, Lord, come do your work. Lord, come do your work in me. Lord, come do your work in me. Open up the wells. Lord, help me remember the names of the promises, God. Help me remember victory. Help me remember freedom. Help me remember, Lord, all what your promises say and that they are yes and amen and they are for me and not against me. And Lord, we just want to be wells of living water so that others can taste and see that you are good. So this morning, if you're standing, would you just raise your hands to the Lord today? And I just want you to Just have a moment of surrender to him. Whatever it is you stood up for, just surrender it to him. So, Father, we just surrender our lives to you. Lord, we want to be wells of living water. Jesus, come fill us with everything that we need this morning because it's you, Lord. It's you. That brings life.
and that more abundantly. So this morning, Jesus, fill us. We just thank you, God. We thank you that when the enemy comes and he tries to to take the dirt and, and cover it up, cover up your promises and cover up your peace and cover up your joy. And when he comes, Lord, I thank you that we would become a people that's so powerful that he has to say, move away. So, Lord, help us to be a life-giving, powerful people of God. In your mighty and precious name, Lord, we surrender it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Please remember our missions trip team um, as this week. Just pray for them. And if there's anybody who needs extra prayer and you want to come up, and I will pray for you. We'll have people pray for you. Um, we'll just leave the altar open. Um, but just come up and be prayed for. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you back next Sunday.